How can we fix our second half woes? Should we go out and get Antonio Brown? And just how many speeding tickets has Neil got? This is the Transatlantic Titans podcast. Standing on the arrowhead at Arrowhead. Brinkley to snap. Turn to hold. Snap. Set. Kick on the way. Good! Drive starts at the one and looking for a little breathing room and they get that in. Plenty more. Derek Henry still going. Stays in bounds. He might go. 99 yards for the touchdown. Unbelievable. Yeah, welcome along. It is Colts Hate Week over and over in the perfect way. I'd say we absolutely smash them. We beat them. Nothing else matters. We smash them for half of half a game of football. Um, that's four in a row against the Indianapolis Colts, and it feels good. Um, Mars is here. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing very good. In Titans world, a win is a win. It doesn't matter how we get there. Um, outside of that, fantasy football's had a really um, Harry is here. How are you doing, Harry? Yeah, I'm, I'm really good, thank you. Actually, my fantasy football uh, week this week was Nobody actually really cares. good too. Oh, well, I care about Harry's. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah, I, don't, I, don't care. I don't care about my own. I'll see myself um, up. <laughs> uh, Neil is here as well. How are you, sir? Nobody cares. <laughs> what, nobody cares how you are? I definitely care how you are. No, no, I'm good. Uh, it's always good to be in the... <laughs> It re- it really is. Is there is there a team you want to beat more than Indy? I'm not, I'm not sure there is. Um, I don't think it. It seems to have been exaggerated in recent years um, for for me. Um, but it's just, it's all about beating the Colts. If, even the even the Texans. Um, does, anyway, I digress. Uh, we are here. We've got a lot to get through um, because people have actually started responding to our requests on discord for for questions um so if you if you found our discord our discord server then great um if not i've no idea how to find it um but there's a link on our our twitter and you know app stuff it's it's the future um let's get let's get straight into it we had sam the eagle um ask us <laughs> i mean this this is this is just a very random start, um, but um, it's got nothing to do with anything that's just happened. But in the vein of shag, marry, kill, it's cut, trade, retain um, for Dylan Raddens, Zach Cunningham and Jeff Swaim. Um, so, yeah, maybe just a quick one. Cut, trade, uh, retain. Neil, where do you where are you going with that? Uh, uh, I'm going to cut Cunningham. I'm going to trade Swaim and I'm going to retain Raddens. Okay, okay. Harry? And I, I don't have to explain, do I? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> These are going to be four completely different answers, aren't they? Harry? Uh, I'd retain Radant. I still think he's got at least a role to play. Um, trade Cunningham, I think he's probably got a little bit more trade value than Swaim, and Swaim probably gets cut unclaimed and then goes on factor squad. <laughs> yeah, yeah could, be, could be happening that. Uh, Miles? Uh, I would cut Cunningham because he's a bag of turd. I would uh, marry 
<laughs> I'd marry Radance because I think he's a better cuddler in bed. And then nice, uh, yeah. Schwaim, I would trade because he's the best blocking tight end in the league. Sure, that, that I'm just about following all this. Um, what would I do? I don't know. I don't. I, yeah, you, you probably. I probably agree with you, Neil. Rad, Radens. We need depth there, uh, but we need depth at linebacker as well, don't we? So I don't know. Uh, Jeff Swaim's certainly out of the building. And that much cheap. I'm certain of. Radens is cheap, and I love a cheap bit. That's that's true. That is true. Okay. Um, Next up, R.Y. Jono. This called names aren't real names, are they? Some, I mean, it just this this is where we are. Um, is Tier Tart massive? Yes or yes? Yes. <laughs> How fantastic was that play? Oh, oh, brilliant! Honestly, it's like you know when um, that is old saying in like soccer where. Say you like support maybe Oxford or Stevenage or some nondescript side like that, and <laughs> like one of your play, one of your players scores an absolute worldie, and and guy and someone always say if Messi scored that, it had been on Sky Sports News seven hundred million times. Well, I think you can apply it to this this dart player because obviously he tips it up in air, which is brilliant. But to do what he did after that, he really had no right to, to have that kind of athleticism because if you look. He very deliberately puts as much of his body underneath the ball as he can so that when it lands, it's got a bigger surface area for him to make the catch. Which <laughs> I thought got was a big so surface area. <laughs> Do you know, I thought that, like, we're underrated because obviously he's, he's got a split second to react after he's tipped it. And then, like, he's managed to step back and, like I say, he made, his, he made himself sort of bigger. He got himself under the ball in a really impressive way, I thought. Uh, I don't think it, I don't think he'd got enough props. If he if that happened ten times, how many times is he making the interception? Yeah, probably a couple, three <laughs> maybe. But I don't know. It just it, what he did to make it <laughs> just sort of belied his size. <laughs> It was just magnificent, wasn't it? Uh, the cel- the slide celebration. I, I I get the the defensive celebrations in the NFL are getting a bit old hat. They're all sort of doing the same, but this was different. You just ab- absolutely love the guy for it. Um, the interview afterwards, like he could he couldn't like physically couldn't stop smiling, could he? <laughs> At any point for the the rest of the he's, I imagine he's still smiling now, grinning like a Cheshire cat. Um, I love uh, as well uh, in his interview he managed to to not like blow smoke up Matt Ryan's backside as if he'd made that pick and tip and pick off some kind of Hall of Fame legendary QB you know what I mean <laughs> which would have been easy to do yeah yeah um, one of one of many many good moments in the game actually um, right some some more questions Rock Titan 85 um Again, as I say, Discord name. Don't know, don't know your real name. Um, he has come up with or she a lot of questions. Um, we will I'll try and answer every single one. Um, Harry, start with you. Does the King have back-to-back big games? And if so, what do we expect next week? Um, yes and no, really. I think I think he is back in some stretch of the imagination, but not as we've known him in the past, really. Um, 
he's turned into more of a first half rusher this season, um, which concerns me a little bit. Previously, in, in, in other years, he gets stronger as the game would go on. And now, if you just look at the split between the first half and second half, he's had 45 rushes for 300, uh, sorry, 231 yards, average of 5.1 and three touchdowns in the first half. Second half, he's had 31 rushes, uh, 75 yards, which is an average of 2.4 and not a touchdown in the second half. So it's, he is back. I think the injury is definitely worn off and things like that, but you'd like to see him get stronger as the game goes on rather than just have is, a good first half and go silent. Is that not the offence in general, though? Like, as, as oh, 100%. Know. <laughs> yeah. 100%. But in the previous years, I think he carried that offence a little bit more, especially going into that fourth quarter, whereas now I think he's... Not that he's struggling or anything like that. I mean, he, he clearly doesn't have the play around him. Our leading receivers this week were Chig and Woods, who both only had three receptions. Oh, no, Chig and himself, which had three receptions, I think. So, um, you know, it's just we need to find a way to unlock him a little bit more in the second half. But I'm hoping for, for big things against the commanders, who have a pretty decent front seven, but should have the holes in there as well. Well, as as, as the Colts did with you know Len, Leonard back and so on, or they should have done. Um, although this, yeah, didn't seem to didn't seem to play as well as I would have expected. Um, okay, next next up, what are you, what are well, what are our thoughts on left tackle play from Daly, um, <laughs> Miles, offensive line guru that you are? Yeah, I mean, considering we got him for what was he? Was he a fourth round, and we get a seventh back or something like that? He was. It was it was sort of a it was a sort of glaringly obvious position that we knew we might potentially need cover for. Um, looking at how he's performed, um, I'm not going to go into the whole PFF and everything, but he's allowed one sack at that position. Which, bear in mind, you've also got to take into account how the left guard's performing and everyone else in such a, a the blind side of the quarterback is arguably the most important position on the field, and there'll be lots of arguments from all the athletic people that can run. But as a big guy, it's a really important position. He hasn't had any penalties against him. So no holds, no offsides, no nothing. So he's composing himself well. He's basically doing what we need him to do. We're not expecting him to come in and turn into, I don't know, like a, a Peters or whatever, like an eight-time pro bowler. We just need him to come in and try and secure a line, which is struggling at the moment. And he's he's fitting well. I think the line, actually, over the past couple of weeks has really held up. I mean... Especially against the Raiders, who have a really established like front seven. I mean, the Colts will argue in some of their players that they have got a lot of depth. I don't think is as good as the Raiders, but they still held their own very well. And Tannehill's getting time in the pocket to to actually make some plays. And I think you're seeing through Bobby Woods some of the plays he's getting downfield and actually being able to go through his um as got called tree roots. But is that too much of a pun on Woods? I don't know. We'll go along <laughs> with it. Um. But I feel like he's actually getting a bit of time. And yes, all, listen, Luan going down was, a, was, despite how he's played, a huge factor in his experience and everything he offers for that line. But I think that actually that he's done well since he's coming and hopefully it keeps going and he's just going to grow in confidence because he's an athletic dude. He's, he's got the ability to do it, but left tackle is such an important position that you can't get too complacent. You've got to keep keep going and keep working. So hopefully he continues to. Yeah, the the, the other side of the line, for what it's worth, I, I agree. I think Ben Jones, Nate Davis, Pity Frere, the right the right hand side, I think playing pretty well. 
I've been very impressed with uh, Petit Frere, to be honest. I think when we drafted him, we knew he had the, the physical capabilities of how it was going to go into the positional and in, in, in a team that you could argue is based around the run, but then has struggled on holding up in pass protection. He's actually, I believe he's been one of the highest graded pass protecting. And I said I wasn't going to talk PFF, but very <laughs> highly rated in how he's actually performed. So it's good to see actual, um, positive outcomes from people that we have drafted, which can't be the same for probably some of our uh, DBs. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely fair. Okay. Um, yeah, next next question. Should J-Rob go and get help for the... Well, funny you should say that. Help for the defence in the secondary. Uh, Molden is coming back off IR. Not this week, I don't think. But we, yeah, we still don't know when he's ready to go. Who should J-Rob get for help at corner? Who's available? Um, now... Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Um, there are some, there are some names out there. Um, if I, Neil, if I throw the name Richard Sherman at you, what's your reaction? Uh, I mean, a brilliant player in his day, but what is it? Mid thirties now. Uh, is that an Achilles injury, an ACL injury as well? I just don't think he's he's better off on Thursday night football than he is in our secondary. There are probably quite a few people out there of that sort of age that you could you could go and get. Um, we've seen Jonathan Joseph, um, we've seen um, Janoris Jenkins, Greg Greg's friend, um, him and him and Janoris are like that. Uh, but yeah, they've they've come and well done a. I was going to say done a job. Um, that's not true um, for at least one of them. But yeah, it, it's it's been a job. <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, is is a is a veteran like that the answer, or you know, are there you know, the alternative is well, the alternative is trading for someone uh, on an extreme level. Is there any mileage in that? Do you think? I think it's it's so tightens to like go out and and spend like a seventh round pick on somebody who didn't work out for Carolina in the third or fourth round from three years ago is better than it's not. How many times do we pick players up and we're having to Google? To see, uh, Dennis Dale is a prime example, actually. We're having to Google what they've done in their careers. Uh, that's that's the more likely move, IMO. There's, well, I mean, we've, yeah, names that we've seen. Brian Borders, um, who I don't mind. When you look at how Terence Mitchell has played, and Chris Chris Jackson, who's well one of our one of our own picks, uh, but it's slim pickings, isn't it? Chris Harris Jr. is another name, but yeah, again, same 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 issues really. It's uh, the league's becoming a young league now of all these talented receivers. Don't get me wrong, in the heyday, Chris Harris was great, like you said, Richard Simmons was great, but nowadays when you're coming up against these young athletic players. They just don't. They just don't have it in them anymore to to play the position, which is there's so much demand and they're, they're they're coming in all shapes and sizes now, physical freaks like Metcalf and players like that. But then you've got these players that like the Tyree Kills and stuff with their speed just being so electric that it's a position that I actually don't mind the idea of spending the tr- trade money, shall we say, to actually get someone in who can be a bit of a now lockdown corner is a bit rare these days. But like to have someone as well established in there is something I actually think is very important. I mean, Christ, I'd rather have Catherine Jenkins than uh, 
Jeff Roberts. Uh, I, think, I think if you remember a couple of years ago, we picked Desmond King up, and that was quite a shrewd acquisition. I think it's just a case of being patient and waiting for that kind of opportunity, maybe. Yeah, he's a, I suppose he's a, he was a slot corner, wasn't he? But I get I, I get what you're being. He he upgraded that position group when he when he came over, didn't he? Um, I don't know. It it goes back to looking at what we've got as well. Um, Harry, are we are we giving up on Farley? I don't. Uh, just I, I, don't I don't think so. No, I think he played a, a relatively decent game on Sunday, apart from that unthrown ball that he just didn't track, and that made his stats look far worse than they actually were. Um, I think you know when you've been out with an, a massive back injury and, and other injuries for almost you know I think it was two seasons at college that he missed at Virginia. You know you are going to miss that time, and you are going to be rusty as as anything when you come off. You know, and, and start playing pro ball. You you want to see more from him. He's a lengthy corner, and you know has been turned around fairly easily early on in his you know career. But you want him to be able to progress, and and that's really what you need from you know a a pick like J. Rob Spent. You need to be able to get it. You know those high value picks working, and him, Fulton, Molden. You know you you'd like to think that you've got a good trio there to really go through the you know, the next few years for us. Is this, this is year two or year three for Farley? Year two, so, I think. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, I, I want to see improvement from him week on week for starters, but it, it's not, re- he's not ready now to do the job we need him to do, I think is the, is the, is the problem. Um, I don't know, yeah, I don't know if he will be in six weeks, a year's, even a year's time, I'm not sure, but I don't see, Enough from him now, which is the concern. Um, I, I, I don't know if you guys, sorry, I don't know if you guys agree going back to what Miles was saying about wide receivers. But like when I first started watching this sport, like you'd, you'd have outliers, like like your Randy Moss and your Tenor Owens, who were like physical freaks who could get downfield. Those receivers are now like the norm. Yeah, your, your yeah. deep threats are all absolutely massive, jacked athletes. Which like back when I first started watching. You'd eat threats a bit small, sort of, you know, your uh, Deshaun Jackson type of guys. And I think that's changed the corner position immeasurably, really, because now they've not only have they got to be like sort of quick twitch athletes, they've got to be a physical presence as well. And plus, you can't touch a wide receiver without flags flying. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you think it's just, it's not just the Titans problem then? Is the position not caught up with the yeah, receiver I think position? Like Miles says. Yeah. A, a shutdown corner nowadays is very rare, really. I mean, yeah. Yeah, sort of. Trayvon Diggs is one of one of the best cornerbacks in the league, but it's it, it's not because he's a defensive sort of lockdown but, corner. He's, he's a he gambles. Yeah. He, yeah. He, yeah, yeah. He'll give up a big touchdown, but he'll get more interceptions at the same time. So it's, yeah. He also has the players around him to allow him to make them gambles. Our issue is we don't have a shining cornerback at the moment, so. When you're coming up against these receivers, like a lot of teams can match up their best corner with the best receiver. Who's our best corner at the moment? It's, it's probably the rookie McCreary, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. if he's if he's trying to target these receivers, but then, and I know I'm a broken record with it, but our linebackers aren't helping in coverage at all, and it's putting extra pressure on these DBs. So these tight ends making plays against us, and these big guys like you saw with uh, uh, Ali Cox at the weekend. These are people that linebackers should be helping out with because of the evolution of the game. DB's got smaller to keep up with the pace. 
And now, now these are now bigger bodied people again. They're really struggling with what you would be like the basketball centering yourself in the middle for the catch. They're really struggling against them. And this is where you need linebackers to step up. And that's where we are just so, so firm. I mean, I know Cole looked all right, but again, it's, are we happy with that as our like leader in the middle? I think what, I think one of the things with, with corners as well is like, there's a couple of position groups in this team. Uh, offensive line and, and the pass rush that are like many hands are making light work and I, I don't think that's happening with the corners we're sort of sticking to in and hoping that it works in, instead of rotating and trying to find a, a decent mix where like the pass rush and the offensive line I don't think you can play that position that way though can you yeah like you can't I just think yeah I just think like we're making up for a lack of defi- like a talent we're having good rotations yeah, no, I, I hear that. It's it's a hard. I think it's yeah. It's it's easier to do that with a pass rush, maybe than than the yeah. the back defensive backfield. Um, okay, uh, yeah. Ne- next question. Um, how much of our <laughs> this could, could uh, open up a whole can of worms? How much of our second half woes are on players, and how much is on coaching? Neil, is this? I, you, you sort yeah. of instinctively want to throw the throw everything all the shade at Todd Downing, but I know it's not so simple as that. I, I do personally. I, I'm not. I'm not asking for a, like a kamikaze approach, but I do wish they'd just push the envelope a bit more in the second half. Jeez, I mean, these three and outs are just painful to watch, and whether it's it's scheme, whether it's sort of because with with being quite sort of prolific in the first half, there's a a sort of not a malaise but a more sort of conservative approach, thinking that the defense can get the job done. But surely no offense tries to be that bad. <laughs> no, I just I just can't I can't can't point a finger anywhere else other than sort of conservative play calling and and maybe as a a lack of maybe atten- intensity from the offense. I don't know. I can't put a finger on it. I really can't. I don't, and if you guys have got a, a, any better explanation than I have, I'd, I'd be glad to hear it. Like, I think in the in the first start of a game, we're so good at scripting. You know, we've scored a touchdown or, or points on the first four drives of each. You know, the first drive of each of our four games. It's when we have to go off script, and you know, maybe it's a job for. An offensive assistant to say these are the plays that work in, run those again in the beginning of the second half and build that momentum. Because at the moment we come out of that second half and just look flat on on offense, and you almost knew it in the second half of this game that they were going to catch up to us and have the opportunity to to win the game at some point, which they came very close to, to having. So I think it's just we need to find a way to either script, you know, the first nine plays of of the second half or we find a way to get the ball into our playmakers' hands early on in that second half to then push that envelope and and have as much success in that second half as we do in the first because first half and second half look completely different as shown by Henry splits and pretty much everything else, to be honest. Uh, more more touchdowns in the first half than first downs in the second half isn't isn't where you need to be. I, I look at it, though... I, 
coaching staffs adjust things at half time. They'll go back into the locker room, look at things like what what isn't working, what do we need to what do we need to change. I don't know if we're being out coached there each game, and if if the defenses are coming out in the second half, right? This is how we're going to deal with this. I mean, you'd think they'd if that was happening, you'd get wind of working out how to stop us in the first half as well. But I don't see different things happening. Um, but yeah, there's something just doesn't look right about. I don't know if it's cre- how creative we are. If we're every every time, I think we should try and do something different. It's just handing the ball off to Henry on second and long. And every time, I think do the obvious thing or come out with something just bonkers that doesn't work. And like I, I like I know sometimes these things come off and it looks great, but they just they just haven't been at all in this in after half time in any of these games. Um, as, and haven't ten- haven't even looked like it, you know. Tendency as well, like we always joke on our group chat, like, oh it's gonna be run run pass. But it's trying to break that tendency and, and catching that defence off guard. If you've ran it on first down 70% of that first half, then use the play action to your advantage or, you know, have that shot deep early on to make them at least afraid of it. You know, because I can't remember the last time that we tried to throw the ball more than 30 yards down the field with it actually causing the defence to then not be able to just load the box on Henry. It's just uh, Maybe we're just not aware of what our tendencies are and, you know, teams are really keying in on that. but. Sure, I'm lucky I'm not getting paid to try and work out what to do in the second half because I don't think they know and I certainly don't. I mean, another thing that we could take into account is like, is it a mentality thing? Because when they make it 27-10, then that's like putting additional pressure on our possessions because straight away you're thinking it's happening again. It's happening again, it's happening again. So maybe they're not playing loose when, when other teams start to get in a bit of a roll and come back into it. Instead of sort of relaxing and looking what's worked earlier in the game and trying to sort of put drives together to put game to bed, pressure's sort of on those drives as if we're running a two-minute drill to try and win the game with a field goal. You know, anxiety ramps up, and that's something obviously that we can't what can't quantify or measure just looking from from a TV standpoint. I d- I don't know if there's that even that urgency though. It just looks a bit lethargic yeah it's obviously zero points against the Raiders zero points against the Colts and we win both those games um and it's it's the defense in each game that has bailed us out in the second half especially especially in the Colts game just gone the tur- turnovers at key moments if we don't have those we're not we're not winning them we're not winning either of those games uh, there's there's Bayer with the pick against the Raiders there was I think I think the tart um, the tight inception was the first half, wasn't it? But then there's a Jonathan Taylor fumble on a, in a huge moment, and I mean, maybe yeah, that's probably a bit of luck. So I can't I can't understand. Like, I mean, I don't know if you noticed on Henry's TD, Ryan Tannehill signaling for a touchdown before he's even sort of brought the yeah. first tackle. If you look in the backfield, I mean, how can that team play so poorly in second half? It, it's really hard to explain. Yeah, I think it's a lack of uh, a lack of aggression and even game management. Like you even saw the first half, the, the stupidity of just run, the letting the clock run out. But like, I think when we have these leads, we then it, and it goes hand in hand with what you're seeing with Henry with his second half um, average yards. That I, I agree. I think 
we basically had the mentality of, right, we have the lead. We need to kill off this game now by running out the clock, which is what we've done last year and what we've done well at. But because the it's still not opening up fully for the run game, I think we actually need to go more aggressive and actually be trying to come out and do exactly what we're doing first half. And I think it's the way that we the, the play call you can see is to try and run out the game. And that's why you're getting run, run, pass. And actually, we need to be coming out equally as aggressive as we were in the first half. Like you said, getting the defence dropping back. Because I feel like we get to a certain point and just go, right, let's try and not lose this game now. Rather than you see a lot of teams like the Chiefs and others go, right, we've got them on the ropes here. Let's really win this game. And I think that's something that we're really lacking. Like, I get the need for the, what they call a four-minute drill. The last four minutes of the game, chew the clock. Um, or even even a bit longer, but we do we're doing that at 15 minutes of the third quarter, and you can't the, there's too much time. You can't just expect to run out of the clock by calling predictable plays at that stage. So yeah, I complete I completely agree. Do what there's a reason that the Titans lead 24-10 or 24-3 at one point. There's a reason we got that lead. Keep doing it. Keep keep doing the things that got the lead, rather than going into our shell and in, inviting them back into the game. You, know, you you run out of the clock later on if you if it's all manageable and obvious, but not at the start of the second half. You, know, you you know that the lead isn't big enough to do that. Um yeah, I mean, I I'd love to I'd love to see that's one thing I'd love to see significant improvement on is that um in the in the next few weeks. Um uh, next question. If oh, there are a lot of these, which is which is great. Um, appreciate that. If if Traylon Burks is out for a good amount of time, does J Rob go get a wide receiver, or do we go to the practice squad as usual? Um, does Josh Gordon have a shot? Uh, I don't. Well, Harry, um, I don't know if Burks will be out for a good amount of time, but he's at least going to miss the next game. We've then got the bye week. Um, anything that we should be doing here? Yeah, I mean. Again, we listed off a load of DBs earlier that we could go for in free agency and all are old or past it or something like that, or injury prone. And it's very similar with the wide receiver group, apart from OBJ, who... Antonio Brown. And is injured. Antonio Brown, who, yeah, would be a great locker room guy. Why not? Let's get him in. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, there's just no one really that I think we'd go after, personally. Um, there's no one that, and I can't see us doing a trade for anyone or anything like that. So, you know, Westbrook Akina, maybe he steps up a little bit. I think tight ends step up a little bit. I think Chig showed enough in that last game to maybe be trusted with a little bit more um, play time, especially in a two tight end set, which I expect us to go into even more than we normally do with our wide receiver um, injuries. You know, Bobby Trees is starting to come in a little bit more into the game as well. So, I don't think we go after anyone personally. I don't really know who we get to replace. But then we were in something similar this time last year when, you know, um, that fella, who, I can't remember his name, he plays for some team that play in like a weird green colour now. Oh, the- yeah, that's him. Um, so, <laughs> Thanks, Miles. Adam's face straight away. Um, but, you know, he had his injury woes and then we went to, I think it was Marcus Johnson and he had an absolute class game for us. Um, so who knows? There might be that kind of player again um, that comes out for for us. But um, I can't see us trading or signing a massive free agent like 
we have bigger issues and if we can't do it on DBs, I can't see us doing it for wide receivers. I don't feel our second half woes are because of the talent at the position. Um, even even if Burks is is missing for a week or two or three, um, I don't I don't think that's the reason for for what's going on. Um, I don't, well, yeah, we know we know we're not as strong there as a year ago. We know that, um, but I'm not seeing I'm not seeing receivers drop that. Well, there was one obvious one on fourth down against the Raiders, but I'm not seeing drops all the time. Um, maybe they're not getting as open as they might be. Um, but it just it just feels there aren't enough passes being attempted ultimately. Uh okay. Uh next up this is not really Titans related at all, but there have been talks and rumours for years now about an NFL team in London. Do you see it happening? Um This is this has been a question for a while now and the Jags seem to have been like London's team. They've had a game over here for, I think, about 10 years. They've had a home game every single year. Um, Shad Khan seems to be committed to that. They've got a deal with Wembley Stadium that they play their, their games there when they come over. It's it, it, feels, it feels right. Will they come over here permanently? I'm not so sure. And I think it's one of the divides opinion. I'm not sure... I'd, one, I mean, it's nothing, nothing to do with the fact it might be the Jags, but I'm not sure I'd want a, a team based here ultimately. Uh, whether whether you all agree with me, I don't know. Miles, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think I'm of the opinion that I don't think there should be a team over here, but I feel like if there was going to be, I'd see it being the Jags rather than someone else or new. Um, I think there's been a lot of, like you said, there's been a lot of build up to try and make the Jags almost. UK's team. Uh, I know on the podcast, but I have quotation fingers up here for the. People. <laughs> um, I'm just I I can't really see the benefit to having it. Like I think the Wembley games and the Spurs Stadium games are actually a really nice experience, good experience, but it doesn't need to be any more than that. It's it's weird. I don't I don't know if if we don't get a team, these games keep happening, right? We'll get we'll keep getting. Three or four games, different teams every year. Other than other than the Jags, who are going to have their their game a year, fine. Um, it doesn't like I don't see any fan base of any of those teams growing or getting smaller. Particularly, we'll see. We'll keep seeing what we're seeing of and you know, all thirty-two jerseys in the in the stadium. Um, but I don't know if the fans will tire of that at some point. It's hard to tell. Neil, Neil would you like a would you like a team over here? Do you think there'll be a team over here? Nah, the only, to be honest, the only the only reason I would say yes, I would like a team over here is because, like, for instance, if they're in AFC, you're going to get a periodic Titans game. Yeah, Whereas yeah. At the minute, at the minute, we don't know if they'll come to London again or or Spurs again. So that that's basically from a from a purely selfish point of view. That that would be my take on it. But as far as and if, like, it, if it was the Jags, it would be every year. Uh, and I, yeah. st- I still think you see, um, I still think you'll see jerseys again, even if there were, for, for argument's sake, the England monarchs or whatever. You still see thirty-two jerseys at every game. I don't, I don't think that would change. I still think it'd be more of a, a Super Bowl type crowd, as they keep saying. Yeah, yeah. But eight, eight Super Bowls a year doesn't doesn't quite no <laughs> doesn't quite work. Although, Harry, are you against it for it? 
Yeah, I mean, like you say, the only reason I'd probably be for it is if it was the Jags, you know, you're getting the Titans once a year, which would be lovely for us, but then I think... So we're for it for selfish reasons, basically. Uh, so I, I well, yeah, but, but, even, but even then, I'm kind of not, because I think the true beauty of when the Titans came over was because it was the first time they made such an effort with us. You know, the Barrowboy and Banker was slammed you know, on the Saturday night or whatever night it was that we were all there. And they brought Eddie George over and Javon Curse and Keith Bullock and Amy Adams Strunk was there signing, you know, jerseys and stuff like that. That doesn't happen if it's every single year. It just, it doesn't to the magnitude. Whereas if they come over next year or something like that, then it's a huge event again for us. And it's a massive, it oh, we don't know when the next time is going to be and this, that and the other. And, and I think we, I think we would support it as a, as a nation, I think, you know, you'd still get enough fans going over and watching the games in, in Wembley or Tottenham or wherever it is, but I can't see it benefiting. And, and you think about like us four, for example, we're not going to start supporting the London Monarchs or, or whoever it is because we're Titans fans. We've followed him for X amount of years. We talk about them all the time. You know, we've, love the history or, you know, the barbecue or the country music or whatever it is that brought us to, to Nashville and the Titans. So why would you then go and support a team just because they're down the road and probably you're not going to go watch that many games anyway for for me because I live miles away from London? I guess I mean, those, those things take a long time to, to change. I mean, I, I know obviously Titans fans in Nashville, in wider Tennessee, uh, 30 years ago, wouldn't have been Titans fans because the Titans weren't there. So they, at some point, have decided to get behind the, the local team. You know, most most of them weren't Oilers fans have moved, right? So the older Titans fans that go would have had another team in the 80s and 90s that they followed. And it's probably one of those things that isn't spoken about. Um, so things things do change. I'm not, I can't imagine for a second that I would change allegiance uh, but plenty of people will and have. It's it's not maybe not overnight, but it's a it's a it's a weird one. It's a a strange a strange thing. I, the other I just I don't know about the the National Football League. It's it's American, and all the teams are American, and it it doesn't quite feel like it sits right if you say, oh, okay, one of them's going to be in the UK or somewhere else. You know, they haven't even gone to Canada or Mexico. And as as for what the travel would be like, you know, the the Seahawks moan about going to play on the East Coast, and so you you get a team from the West Coast having to to fly over, even even if the, the well, having the team that's based here going over to play road games in L.A., San Francisco, Seattle, Denver, wherever. You know, that's that's huge. It, it seems bonkers. Like once a season. You deal with it, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Um, I'm. Uh, we're. I'm waffling on on all this stuff, but it's. It. They're all <laughs> interesting topics, aren't they? Um. Well, next next question, Miles. Are the Jags contenders? Contenders for what? Because they're not contenders <laughs> for the Super Bowl, uh, like us. Um. Are they contenders? <laughs> I agree, and I think I have. I think I have disagreements with other people in our in our uh, in our podcast group that I actually think Trevor Lawrence is a very very good quarterback, and if 
I had the option of having Trevor Lawrence and I love Tannehill and Willis, but I would like the idea of having someone like him as my quarterback. I think they've got a solid run game. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got a couple of speedy receivers. They've got a great defense. I think they are, and they have a good coach actually. I think, uh, I think it was a very shrewd uh, appointment after they uh, got rid of the one who decided to just go out partying. Um, I think the the new replacement has actually been a very good, if you call it a signing. Um, I think they're going to be a threat in the uh, in our division, and I think they're going to be for a couple of years. To be honest, I think I very much think that Texans are going to drop off for a bit while they catch up with all the draft picks that they've given away and stuff. And I think the Colts, you've seen, I think Matt Ryan's dreadful. And I think in other players, they, they will always be a little bit competitive, but I generally believe it'll be us and Jags battling for, for the division. So as long as we can get some, uh, some divisional wins against, uh, Houston and the Colts, I feel like that'll give us enough to look at playoff football going forward. But yes, they're def- they've definitely improved, uh, an awful lot over their previous, uh, years. Yeah. They are currently Bookie's favourite to win the division. There you go. Um, okay, next question that was from Matt Andrews. With another injury being sustained at Lucas Oil, do you believe grass should be mandatory at all NFL stadiums? Also, the Colts. Um, not <laughs> not really a question, just an accurate statement. Uh, but yeah, I, the the grass thing. I mean, it, it's I kind of answered in the Discord uh, as as well. But there are too many uh, massive stadiums that have been built that don't have a grass field pitch, whatever. And just, it doesn't, you can't, it doesn't make sense to change it. Or it wouldn't change overnight. Um, but if they said, right, in 20 years time, they've all got to be grass, maybe. Um, but has has this not always been a thing? You know, we've had artificial pitches have got better over the years. Um, I don't know if there's something in the Lucas Oil field specifically. Obviously, Henry got hurt there a year ago. Um, Jonathan Taylor sustained an injury, supposedly. Or, I don't know, he just sulked after losing a fumble, maybe faked it. Who knows? Uh, but whether there's something in that. <laughs> um, but practically, you know, the, the Tottenham Stadium, back to that, that's been built with a retractable grass pitch that's over the top of an artificial surface that's fixed there for, for NFL. That's been, you know, they've done that. They've had an agreement with the NFL before building a thing that is going to host games on that basis. This is long-term significant stuff. Um, I think there's new, new uh, massive domed stadiums that wouldn't be able to do it. In LA, the SoFi has just opened. Uh, there's Atlanta's got a new one. Um, uh, others, even even sort of the last ten fifteen years, you've got Dallas, and um, yeah, others. My mind's gone blank, but there are plenty of them. Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, I know the Vegas one has a sliding pitch like the uh, like the one in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, but for the most part, they've been built to have artificial surfaces, and uh, well, they're they're going to stay. I don't think there's a a way that they can do it, not in the not in the short, even medium term, anyway. Um, yeah. So, other other discussion points. Um, firstly, Harry, um, what on earth happened with all the Benny Hill stuff um, at the end of the first half? 
uh, as you, yeah, as you I mean, may have seen on our our Twitter feed, we've uh, we've edited the the last sort of thirty seconds of the first half. It all went horribly wrong. Yeah, it was a really weird. And and we when Variable first came to the Titans, we were very critical of his time management and some ballsy decisions that he made, and potentially calling a timeout and going for that third and one play maybe wasn't the right decision. You know, just kick the points, still with. You know, the last 15 seconds of them probably taking a knee and and going to the half. I don't think you're going to gain enough yards to probably try and score a touchdown or get the ball out of bounds at that point. Um, just a bit of a cluster um, mess up, wasn't it, really? Um, <laughs> you're welcome. I know you've already got a bit of editing. Um, to, yeah, to finish the first half like that was probably a, a bit of a low moment. However, did bring us one of the funniest moments of just a, a massive player tripping over a punter um, and then still snapping <laughs> off and kicking the field goal just for, you know, giggles. Um, but, yeah, it was just... It was funny because I, I, reckon, I reckon they were about a second and a half away from getting away with it. Mm-hmm. But you knew as soon as that, as soon as they started, they, even before the tripping over, all of it, they didn't quite enough time. Didn't quite have enough time. You could just tell it wasn't going to be pretty. Um, there was just a. I just think there's like a. I don't know if panic's the right word, but you guys have all played Madden, and you, you've anyone who's even played a bit of Madden, sort of, you know what to do in those situations with the clock. And you've got even on the fly with not really any time to think about it. Like you've got a, enough of a football brain to know what you should and shouldn't do in that situation. Now, the play before, Traylon Burks didn't go out of bounds when I thought he might have done and got tackled in the field of play. And we called time out there without thinking about it, which is probably a mistake, actually. And then from there, even with the... It's only a 30-second timeout, but even with the time to think about it, we didn't seem to take a step back and like, right, what's the situation here? What are our best chances of putting points on the board? You could be conservative and kick a field goal chose not to do that like there was an argument third and one with was it 19 seconds you could have taken a shot at the end zone so an incomplete pass would have been fine or a quick out which I don't think is our Tannehill's forte necessarily but it doing doing what we did just just bonkers and some of that I think is on Tannehill himself is you've got to know the situation throw the ball throw the ball away like it was even if we got the first down there, there might maybe have been time to spike the ball, but that was touch and go. It just just muddled thinking in in key moments at the moment, which concerns me. And it's like as funny as that was, I think it's a bit of a metaphor for where some of the thinking is and where some of the in-game decisions are. Like maybe I'm being a bit a bit negative about it, but it just it just felt a bit. Of a, of a shambles, quite frankly. Um, uh, I was going to ask Brian this, and Brian isn't Brian isn't about. He was a, he was going to be, but is is Stonehouse um, already better than the goat? Because I know I know Brian Brian is a is a Brian Stonehouse thing. He's done all right. Um, I don't know any anyone here fans of fans of Brian Stonehouse as a as a Brett Kern replacement. Oh, uh, 
Harry. I mean, yeah. Did you yeah, I mean, you, ha- you, you, you do have to say that he has genuinely done it very, very well. Um, with, with just net yardage and flipping the field. I think that game's a bit more nervy for us if he doesn't have a, a leg on him like, you know, a machine. Um, I think he's number one for net yardage, you know, in the, in the NFL. So yeah, Brett Kern was amazing for us and, you know, you've seen it from loads and loads of Titan fans accounts and things like that with posting punts every day or, you know, liking and liking a thing. So everyone knows that, you know, we still love Brett Kern. Fine, whatever. But realistically, you need to be able to flip the field and Marshall Brown Stonehouse hasn't necessarily had to pin one in the corner yet. He certainly can flip that field for us. And, and that will be where the test comes as and when we need that lovely, delicate, to back Tom Brady up against his own goal line, you know, for a pit six interception, which may or may not end to the end of, you know, start the end of his marriage. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see whether we can do that, you know, with Aaron New, newly single, newly single Tom Brady, um, poor guy. Um. <laughs> my, my issue with Stonehouse, and I'm, I don't know if it's an issue with Stonehouse's misses as well, though he has all the length, but he doesn't really have the girth. He doesn't get the height on his kicks. Um, which really concerns me. It's all well and good. You can beat it downfield, but it's not staying there time for very long. And talk all you want about his length, which I'm sure he loves hearing about, but he's not He's not doing what I want to see from him, where he's actually giving us a chance to get downfield and make a play as well. So that's just my two cents worth. Look, it's going to take, take a long time for us to all fall in love with the guy, isn't it? That's the, that's the bottom line here. Yeah. Um, well, like a massive hit. On a, on a returner or something like that, like a massive, like just absolutely nailing him. That'd be great. <laughs> With his length and girth. Lack of girth. Lack. No, <laughs> really isn't what girth means, but right, we'll go with it. Um, Neil, how's our, how's our pass rush holding up without Howard Landry? Um, just to. I want me pretty well. Like, I mean, I think we touched on it when we were talking about cornerbacks and, and the offensive line. I think. Again, every, everybody's sort of mucking in. There's no sort of Landry standing out with with sort of seven, eight, nine, ten sacks and and stuff like that. I just think we are getting to the quarterback, but it's numbers that's doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, it felt better against India than it did the previous week or two as well. I thought uh, whether that's partly a reflection on their own O line and quarterback, maybe. But we were giving Ryan a lot of a lot of problems of causing a lot of problems. I think we need to we need to get Bod fit to be honest because yeah. I think he is the type of player that could sort of bring an X factor. But um, I, I think they're doing a, a, a sort of a steady job, uh, sort of so to speak. Uh, and it's it's something I really worried about. Obviously, when Landry went down. Yeah, yeah. Um, Weaver seems to. Seems to have stepped up, which is which is good. One of the, one of our re- relatively well, I think he's a mid round pick, wasn't he? But he's uh, he's grown into the grown into the void um, that's been left yeah, for him. Four sacks now. Yeah, you take you take that, wouldn't you? Won a game, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, um, and finally, before we move into non titans related, Miles, um, no problems beating the Washington Commanders, is there? Carson Wentz is their quarterback. Um, again, if you look at stats, he's thrown the ball a lot, but he's still Carson Wentz. Um, they did. I think we've already touched on the 
also, I keep on calling them the Commodores. And then I just <laughs> want to sing Lionel Richie songs. That really needs to get out of my head fast. Easy um, like Sunday morning. Oh, I love it. Uh, we, we could do this all day, but I'll choose not to. Um, but I think they've got a solid front seven. I think we've mentioned that. I think they have got talent on defense, but I just feel like... What? <sighs> Gary Terry's a good receiver. We need to make sure we've got him locked down. And then I think we'll be able to handle the rest of what they have to offer. So as long as as long as Bud's fit, Simmons is going to get quad teamed on the line, and then Dupree will have a lot of one on ones, and then Weaver can continue trend. I think we should have more than enough to beat them. So uh, a very long answer to say that we're going to batter the Commodores. Excellent. That's what I wanted to hear. And we got the we got the, the <laughs> yes, yeah, sounds good. And then, then we can relax into a bye week and then beat the Colts again. It's all, it's all falling into place. Just, just like we planned. All right. That's a lot of Titans chat. Um, some non, non Titans chat in there, but a little bit more non Titans chat to finish. Um, Harry, what's, uh, what's been going on in your world? Uh, yeah, my world is, uh, interesting. Um, I now obviously have a lovely seven month old boy. Um, Seven month old boy. Can't get a seven month year old boy. Um, a seven month <laughs> old boy and, um, he is great. But we started, or we did our first one today of like baby meetup kind of thing. So there's a, a guy that works with us and he's just had a baby too. And their baby's about nine months old. And we met up today, but you realize that first of all, we're inherently just comparing everything babies do. So if a baby sits up, you want to see your other baby set up. You know, one baby stands and holds a bit of a, a rope, you're like, oh, this is amazing. Can we see whether the other one can do it? So you're basically playing top trumps with, um, like, just babies milling around. Secondly, there's only so much coffee that you can drink um, without needing basic human necessities. And those are places that you do not want to do those in, in like a child soft play where toilets are like three inches off the ground. So that was a slight issue. <laughs> and then, Outside, you've got plenty of nappies. That is true. That is true. It, it was the easiest wipe of my life. And then um, finally, it was, um, there's only so much that you can talk about as well. You know, like you talk about, oh, what sterilizer do you use? What baby food are you on? You know, how many times do you feed them? Yada, yada, yada. And it's lovely but it doesn't quite hold up for like almost six hours. So afterwards you're like, um, do you, do you push the fan this way? And you just kind of get stuck with this, that and the other. And we get on really well outside of work, but baby talk was definitely struggling by the end of it. But um, yeah, those are just some things maybe to watch out for as pitfalls of parents, because it took me off guard today. I'm not going to lie. That, that, that memory's coming flooding back. Um, you describing those things, all the, the social, what's the, I don't know, the expectations. It's, it's just a different world of how people behave. Um, and yeah, your, your kids are, oh, they're, they're the same age. They'll play together. Well, no, they won't. They won't play together at that age. They'll ignore each other. They'll just, <laughs> they'll just amuse themselves. Because that's what they're used to, they're babies. Um, oh, the, the, cause some of those conversations, yeah, things, things I don't miss. <laughs> the, the kids being tiny, uh, but yeah, great, great fun in parts, obviously. Um, Neil, you're non science related. Uh, it's, it's a bit of a morn, actually. Um, I tried, 
on Friday just gone to get some tickets for Arctic Monkeys. Uh, I'm a, a massive fan of theirs. I've been pretty much since, since day one, really. And uh, I've no, like, sort of issue with not getting any because obviously they're massive and it were quite quite a popular popular ticket to get. Um, but they're playing, like, in Hillsborough Park, which is probably 15 minutes away from my house. Um, anyway, that's not that's not sort of my beef. My beef isn't the fact that I didn't get one. Obviously, I was disappointed, but my beef is Ticketmaster's, quote-unquote, dynamic pricing scale i don't know if you guys have seen uh-huh. this before or, or heard about it but if it's like an algorithm where if, if demand ramps up for a ticket or a concert the price goes up with it is this resellers so or is this Ticketmaster themselves no this is Ticketmaster. so it's like it's happening on day on on like the first day of sale and if it, the busier the the oh, sort wow. of traffic is and the busier the, the phone lines are the the ticket the price of the ticket goes up goes up that's uh, so when you couple, yeah, so when you couple that with all the uh, ridiculous fees, like it's twenty five quid booking fee and stuff like that nowadays, which is just an absolute joke. Um, and I, I genuinely remember, like, I'm not going, and, and I don't think this is like a back in my day sort of thing at all. But I remember going to Lee's festival in like twenty eight, twenty oh eight, twenty oh nine, twenty ten, and it being like two hundred quid for a weekend. And nowadays, with this dynamic price scale, you can pay £200 for a like an arena show. You know, yeah. I just think it's a joke. I, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I wanted to go and I, and, I, and I probably would have paid it, but there's very few bands that I would pay it for. Um, and it, I think it's getting to a stage where sort of, where I had, I'd regularly go to gigs uh, three, four, five times a year and, and now because of these, are the price these days, I can't remember the last time I did go to one. I just think it's it's a joke how they can sort of change price uh, on on sort of command. Uh, that's that stinks a bit. I didn't realise that's how how they were how they were working. Yeah. Uh, you you think the band would have a conscience? Yeah, uh, they, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, and, uh, maybe they look at it and think, oh well, we can make as much money doing one day as three. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's have. Let's have Friday and Saturday off instead. Uh, I, I sort of figured it'd be, be really hard to get tickets because it's the hometown gig as such. But yeah, yeah. That dynamic price thing, it just really like, I already thought that Ticketmaster gouged people with fees. But the, the sliding scale of price just, just really shocked me, really thought it just left a, a bad taste, you know what I mean? No, that, that, no, I'm with you. That doesn't, doesn't, doesn't quite sit right. Um, Miles. Yeah, for what it's worth, I was actually half going to mention about the same thing as a, as a humble brag moment. I did get tickets for Arctic Monkeys for Sheffield. Um, oh, this is this which is I didn't. I, sh- I probably shouldn't have, but I'm going to do everything now to try and persuade someone to not come so that Neil can have one of my tickets. Now I'm aware of how much of a fan he is. Granted, I'm not really that huge a fan, but I just love going. To, I still continue to go to gigs, and I was going to bring up how. How it's ridiculous that you have to pay for handling fees on an e-ticket, which just doesn't make sense. What's the handling fee? They have to click a button so it gets sent to your email. Yeah, I could go into a whole full rant about the price of tickets these days compared to how it should be and how booking fees and everything else is almost the price of what it used to be just to go and see someone. Um, mine was just a really quick one of just something that just particularly annoys me because I won't lie, things are going quite good in the world of, of, of me at the moment. Um, so I haven't really got that much to rant about. And now the Titans are winning, 
it's basically just Oxford being bad in the league, which no one wants to hear about. And even, I mean, I'm not allowed to mention my fantasy football, which continues to break me every single day, but one day I'll get over it. Um, it's just a really quick one of what's wrong with people when they, they've they gone from the middle lane to the left lane. The, the moment they come across, they slam on. Like, what's their problem? Like, that to me is there's many things that annoy me. You either just gently get to the speed that you need to do and move over. Now, granted, I'm not going to lie. I'm often found in the uh, completely opposite lane. Um, but if I ever have to come off to a junction and suddenly I've come across and then someone's flown across from the middle lane to come to your lane and then they slam on in front of you for the brakes, I'll then happily, I don't care what speed you're going at, I'll... Sometimes I've had it in me where I think, do you know what, I'm just going to follow these wherever they're going until they get out of the car just to shelter them. But then you worry you could end up anywhere. But yeah, to me, the, it, it, it's just a, ma- a major bug of mine, really. Well, that, the, people... the most... Almost every car that's built these days has cruise control, right? Like, why can't people just use it? Just go at the same speed. It's not. It's not like it. I don't know. Um, it's, it's. It all. It, I mean, everything comes down to people being idiots. So, but yeah, it's. I just don't. You're coming across to a lane. Why do you suddenly have to slam on? And I know people are like, oh, you might have your kinetic braking where it automatically doesn't. It? It'll save you your energy on your electric Tesla, so then you can drive. I don't care. It just, it just annoys me. Just just drive like a normal person. When you come across, stick to the speed you're going. You don't then need to slam on. I, I got a, um, a... Somebody slammed their horn. Slammed on the horn? How do you say? Beat their horn? Um, you know what at, you mean. at me for... I was turning right at a mini roundabout, like off a main road into a smaller road. And the car coming towards me the other way had to stop it was my right of way because i'm turning right at the mini roundabout if you catch my drift um the other car i don't know if they didn't realize there was a mini roundabout i mean it's well signpost there's a big white thing in the middle of the road um and so slammed on their brakes because i turned right in front of them and got on their horn at me i just sort of looked at them bewildered for a moment drove off and they then followed followed me almost home Flashing their lights, um, I was quite close to just for having to call the call the police or going a different way. I was like, "What? What? Are you? I, I literally hadn't hadn't done anything." Uh, this is the world we live in. Idiots, what, idiots everywhere. As I say, for what it's worth, people of the UK, if you do feel like doing that to me, feel free to attempt to pull me over, and I'll I'll happily explain to you why you don't deserve to be on this planet. And that, yeah, hold on to. Sorry, guys, I was driving into Leeds the other day and um, I sort of I needed to get over into the left-hand lane and I was a bit late getting over, granted. But I, I looked over my shoulder, looked in my left mirror, signalled, there was nothing coming. And I, as soon as I eased out, somebody flew around the corner and slammed anchors on, slammed slammed on. Just to make a point. It's all performative, yeah, it's yeah. all performative, yeah, yeah. isn't it? You know, like if it hadn't been going 20 miles on the speed limit he might have not got so close you know what I mean I'd have been able to pull out with ease mm. plus obviously if anybody goes into the back here it's their fault instantly anyway but it's not like it's, it's all performative isn't it yep but, there, but there's, the, there's the thing now of people like causing accidents deliberately so that in the but ones where in the eyes of the law it's your fault so either just breaking for no reason in good conditions or I saw I, I someone tried it tried this one on me which I luckily saw what they 
saw what was happening in time and stopped. Um, but turning, uh, approaching a roundabout, someone coming from the right on the roundabout, signalling left as if they're about to turn, so I don't need to wait for them, and then just not turning left. And I could, but so in advance, it could only have been deliberate. And he's like, this is, this is, this is, these are scams that are going on. Uh, be careful out there, kids. Get a dash cam, it's cheap and it'll save you any potential issues like that. Well, yeah. If, if, it, uh, if, it if it we want to go back it, to, yeah. uh, back to early days of pod, Cleo, uh, rest in peace. I've had Volvo like just under a year, just over a year now, and I'm on my second speeding fine. <laughs> Humble brag. <laughs> so, but luckily, uh, first one were a motorway and this one were a road, so I can go on the course again. So it's, oh, is it's that all how it works? All yeah. Is it a different yeah. course? Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, different course. So I've got away with points yet again. <laughs> Bringing up old podcasts, I did want to mention to Harry that I'm disappointed he didn't say seven months young uh, for his uh, child's age rather than seven months old. But I didn't know if he'd be uh, impressed with that or not. Oh, uh, <laughs> I'm not <laughs> saying hello, by the way. That's uh, that's Neil's kid. Come to say hello. <laughs> Is this the first time one of our offspring has been on the podcast? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Does... um, probably better inside than me as well. <laughs> we should come on and talk Titans. You know, um, <laughs> what we're about. <laughs> well, we've we've probably done enough of that for one week. Let's. Enjoy, enjoy week five. Is it week five? Yeah, and the uh, and the Commodores, and let's let's go into America's capital and get that and get that win. Um, be nice to chat as always. Um, we'll do it again next week, I guess. And um, but obviously, obviously, tighten up. Tighten up soon. Tighten up. Tighten up. Tighten up.